On this episode, we're talking about letting go of old definitions and embracing new identities as we make a pivot or a career change. My name is Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks, and this is episode 106. Hello there, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks, a weekly show where we talk about navigating a changing world of work, making brave moves, and thriving in our chosen careers. Now, if you're a regular listener of the show, you may be surprised to be getting this episode because we're supposed to be on a break. And yes, the podcast is indeed on a short summer break. Although I'm not actually on a break, I'm actually neck deep interviewing for the next series that starts on September 5th, when we will be covering side gigs and side hustles. And let me tell you, I'm so thrilled with how that series is coming along, and I cannot wait to bring you these new inspiring stories to fuel your career move. But you see, I've got this awesome conversation with Lee Shea McDonough that I've been wanting to share with you, and I cannot wait any longer. So let's just say this is a special sort of in-between episode that I have for you today, okay? So let me tell you a little bit about why this episode is so special. One of the joys of making a career change or a career pivot is becoming something or someone new, right? Reinventing ourselves, letting go of the old and donning on a new hat that more closely aligns with who we are today or who we want to be today and how we want to show up in the world. That's what makes career change, career reinvention exciting, right? And thrilling. But this thing, this evolution, this becoming someone new can be a double-edged sword. It can also be daunting. It can be surprisingly challenging to let go of our old established identities, even if, or even when we want to let go of those old identities. Even harder is identifying our beliefs, the beliefs that we've always had about success, about what success looks like or how it sounds like, and then releasing those beliefs, those old definitions that no longer serve us. I know this very well because this challenge, this letting go challenge of identities, of old identities and of old definitions, this is one of the challenges that tripped me up of all the things that I expected to be difficult when I made my career change a few years ago, this wasn't one of them, and it caught me by surprise. So in this episode, I explore this with business coach, author, and fellow podcaster, Lee Shea McDonough. Now, Lee experienced significant transitions in the last few years, not just for herself and her career, but for her family as well. You see, Lee's husband worked for the United States Air Force as a specialist dentist for most of his career. Um, their family, Lee, the husband, their two kids, they lived in Germany for many years where Lee also worked as a therapist and a clinical social worker. In 2015, they felt it was time to leave the Air Force. So they decided to move back to the States and for Lee's husband to start his own dental practice. Lee figured she was going to be the one constant through all the changes and the transitions that her family was having to go through. So she initially put her career on the back burner as she helped her family acclimate to their new life. When it came time to get back to her own professional life, Lee faced a decision of her own. She no longer wanted to work as a therapist, but what should she do next? Ironically, it was watching her husband navigate his own career pivot and experience his own challenges that pointed Lee to her next career move. 
So in this episode, we're going to talk about the challenges that goes with transitioning from employee to owning your own business. Uh, we're going to talk about the challenges that I talked about at the top of the show, letting go of the old identities, letting go of old definitions, and embracing your new role as you make a career change. We also talk about separating work from desired results, aligning career choices with our core values, and most importantly, we talk about these three things, mindset, meaning, and mindfulness, something that Lee knows very well. She actually wrote a book about this. And um, in this episode, we also talk about what each of these three M's mean, how they show up, and how they influence our careers and our personal lives. But before we get to Lee, I want to let you know of a couple of resources that you may find useful for your own career move. And both of these resources you can find on this podcast's home website, which is secondbreaks.com. So thing number one, I've been interviewing folks on this podcast for a couple of years now. And even before that, I was already researching this topic of career pivots and career changes when I wrote my book, Break Free. And all of these conversations helped me see patterns. What really helps people make smooth career transitions? So I put together a guide, which I called Ninja Moves for Your Career Pivot, which is a curated list of strategies and habits used by profiled guests of this podcast. You can grab a copy of that when you go to the website. In fact, right on the homepage, you're going to see a link to download the guide, the Ninja Moves for Your Career Pivot. And thing number two Guests of the show often recommend a book that's made an impact on them or helped them with their career journey. And I've created a resource page for that so that you can easily find all the book recommendations in one place. So if you are looking for your next read, go to secondbreaks.com. You will find the book recommendations on the menu under resources. Okie dokie, let's get on with the show. I will catch up with you at the back end. But in the meantime, my friend, meet Lee Shane McDonald. My husband spent most of his career in the United States Air Force. He's a he's a periodontist, so a, a dental specialist. And in 2015, together we made the decision that it was time for him to leave the Air Force after almost almost 15 years of service, really. Um, and so we were really ready to move back home. Uh, he grew up in North Carolina. I went to school here. And so we had been living in Germany for the previous four years. We were stationed at an air base there, which was a wonderful experience. When we moved there, our two children were two and four. And so they basically grew up as little Europeans. And so now all of a sudden, it's 2015, they're eight and six, he's getting out of the Air Force, he's going to buy a dental practice, we're moving across the ocean. It was such a huge period of transition for us in so many ways. So it was a huge period of transition for us, um, leaving the military lifestyle behind and going into the civilian world, leaving Europe behind, coming back to the United States. And then also my husband going from being an employee of what is essentially a large corporation, the military, and going into business for himself. And so having to balance the needs of being a clinician and a business owner. And so in light of all of that change, I knew that there needed to be some constant in there and that I was going to be that constant. So I took some time off from my profession, which to that point had been as a psychotherapist. I'd been a social worker, a public health professional, and a therapist for about 15 years. So even in Germany, you were doing that. Ah. Yes. 
Yes, I worked uh, I worked for the Air Force at first as a therapist and then as an administrator for community service programs on base. And so I made the decision to kind of press pause on the professional piece of my life in order to help with the transition. Um, and I have no regrets about that. I, I think that was absolutely my full-time job for a while is just getting everyone back to the States and, and moving forward. But when we came to the end of that transition period, about, I'd say about nine months after we moved back to the United States, that's when I started feeling like it was time for me to return to work. But I also knew that mental health was not where I was supposed to be anymore. I, I loved mental health. I loved serving my clients in that, in that capacity. I still wanted to serve other people, but I knew that there was something else out there. I just didn't know what it was. And so it was as we kind of emerged from this transition period that I started feeling like I was being called to do something else. And that was the start of, of kind of an exploration for me. So your husband, even before you left Germany, you guys already knew what he was going to do. So he wasn't going through a period of, I don't know what I, I'm going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do when he got back to the States. He did. I think what he didn't know and what he didn't know that he didn't know was how to do it. Um, how, how to actually go from being a clinician, because when he was in the Air Force, for the most part, all he had to do was was see his patients, show up, provide excellent patient care, and that was his job. Then when you buy a dental practice, you are not just the, the dentist, now you are the owner, and you have a staff, and there's all sorts of responsibilities that go on on the back end. And so he knew that that was what he was going to do. He just didn't quite know how he was going to do that. So it was sort of like a rude awakening. And oh, my God, this is what it means to own a dental practice. Yes, yes. And truly, that is ultimately what inspired my transition, because I was watching him go through this process. And I know that he is such a gifted clinician. He is so good at what he does, and his patients just adore him. So to know what a fantastic person he is, how good he is at his job, and to see him struggle with the business side of things and really start to doubt himself and have a crisis of confidence as to whether he could make this work, um, as a a spouse that was hard to watch as as a therapist i'm thinking to myself okay there's some mindset stuff going on here um i have the tools to help with this maybe not my husband you know we'll, we'll keep that separate but <laughs> but i kept thinking to myself i'm sure he's not the only business owner out here who struggles with this who on one way feels so competent and ready to take on the world and on the other hand they wonder if they have what it takes to even make it work and so that's when I started thinking, okay, this might be a population I can serve. How do I do that? What would that look like? And so I'm very grateful to my husband because he went through a very difficult patch and it wound up becoming the inspiration for my work. Is that what you decided to do? Something about something around business coaching or something like that? It really is. There were there were a couple of factors that all kind of came into alignment. And to be quite honest with you, I was not familiar with coaching as a profession um, until I started doing some research and realizing that it's not necessarily that entrepreneurs and small business owners need therapy. It's not that they have some sort of dysfunction or diagnosis that they need fixed. It's that they need some, some inner work and some mindset tools to help them show up more powerfully in their business. And so how can I modify my experience with all of that head heart stuff and bring it into this space? And so, yes, that's when I started exploring and realizing, 
oh, I can, I can maybe make this work over here in this capacity. Uh, and that's what led me into coaching. You were talking about how you, you did some research and stuff. How did you actually do it? How did you start? I made the decision that I wanted to complete a coach training program in part because I'm one of those people where it's like, I wanted the safety and security of knowing, okay, I've been through the training so I can do this. Like those letters after my name, they mean I know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> Which that's a whole nother story. Um, so I did some research into coach training programs, um, went to one that was accredited through the International Coach Federation. And as I was starting my program, honestly, I just kind of I dove in. I started my business and did my coach training program and the early years of my business concurrently. Uh, yeah, so I, it, it's kind of funny in hindsight, you don't know what you don't know. And I was so naive. I just kind of jumped in and I was like, let's see, let's make this work. And quite honestly, I would say for the first six months of my business, I was a therapist wearing a coach mask. I was trying to put myself forward as as a coach. I was really heavily relying on my identity as a therapist. And the mask that I put on, it wasn't the kind of coach that I'm meant to be. It was the kind of coach I thought I had to be. I, I had this impression that in order to be successful, I needed to be very corporate, very, you know, you know, nuts and bolts and just the facts, ma'am. Like, I, I don't know where I got that idea from, but I think it was, <laughs> that's what I was seeing out there. I knew that coaching had been um, well understood and well respected in the corporate field for decades. So if I was going to make this business work, well, then I needed to be a corporate coach. So I put on the mask of a corporate coach. I was still kind of working really more as a therapist. And it was I was a hot mess for those first few months of my business until I really decided I need to show up as me. I, you know, and, and that's where things really started to change for me. You know, I can so relate to what you just said, because I came from a corporate before I started my business, I came from a long uh, corporate career, where I had an identity, I was known for something, right? Or, or I presented myself as this particular person. And then even though I was beginning to switch into a different line of work, I still had that persona or that identity hanging around. And I, it took me forever to just let go of it. I, quite honestly, I don't really know that I've let go of it completely, yeah. but yeah. And you don't always realize that that's what's happening. I wanted to go back to this idea that you were saying that in the beginning you had some, uh, preconceived notions, whether they were, whether you were aware of them or not, but they were certainly running the show. That's really what you said is important is I did go in with some preconceived notions. And part of the process of starting a business was actually taking a really long, hard look at what I was coming in with the baggage I was coming in with and then unpacking that. And that was definitely a, a really important piece of stepping into my role as a business owner. Gotcha. Now there is in a previous email exchange, I read a statement that you had written or, or something that was running in the back of your mind. And I wanted to explore it with you because I think this is something that a lot of people, when they're thinking of making a, a move or a career change that they think about, or again, maybe not consciously, but it's there, right? So I read somewhere that you thought that if you were to leave your 
therapy practice and you were to take on this other venture that you better be successful, right? And so oh, there's yeah. an implication. There's an There are lots of sentiments going on underlying that statement. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. What, what was that mindset about and how it affected, how did it affect your career transition? That is such a wonderful question because that really was at the root of my first year of business. This belief that if I am leaving the mental health professional, if I'm walking away from this identity that I've held on to as, you know, a therapist and a social worker, and I'm going into business for myself at a time in my family's development where there's a lot of transition, I felt this extraordinary pressure to be successful and and make it and make it work. And so all through that first year, it was, you got to make this work late. You got to make this work, do what it takes. And that's why I put on that corporate mask. That's why I tried to shape shift myself into the kind of coach I thought I had to be in order to be successful. And I look back at the decisions I made that first year where I was buying courses and programs that promised to show me the right way to do this. Um, and, you know, I don't regret those decisions. I don't really believe in mistakes because they really informed how I moved forward. But at the same time, I was spending so much time trying to be what I thought was this perfect coach and I wasn't being me. And and the reason was because I was scared. I was scared to show up as myself fully as, as the kind of coach I am because I thought that that could not coexist with success. And Ironically, what I've discovered now is that the only way to be successful is to show up authentically as yourself, to to unapologetically say, this is who I am, this is how I work, this is who I work with, this is what I believe. Those are the guiding principles behind my business, and that's what sets me apart. That's what connects me to my clients and to my audience. And, but I didn't know that that first year. I really thought that in order to make it work, I had to become something else. And I really let fear drive the show. And that was that was the big evolution for me as a, as a business owner and as a coach. I don't know if this applies to you, but I, I've heard it for some other folks who are stepping away from a career where they studied this thing, they had degrees, they had letters <laughs> after their names. Mm-hmm. And then to walk away from that profession into something else and that they are sort of worried maybe or concerned about how they are going to be perceived by their peers in the profession. Like how how would you walk away from your degree or your profession? Yes. And I think this is changing in the therapy community. So I do want to say that, but there are a lot of therapists out there who are extraordinarily skeptical of coaching. They look at coaches as unlicensed professionals trying to be therapists. And so then all of a sudden, not only am I leaving behind the therapy community, but I'm going into the very profession that they're looking at, like, who who do these people think they are? They're trying to take our jobs, you know? So I absolutely had that, that, collision uh inside me of I, I almost felt like I was betraying my 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 first profession, that part of my identity. And that was really scary too. Yeah, I can imagine. So you were saying that you went through the, your first few months or first year in this sort of mindset, having this mindset. What what if anything happened? Like how did you realize that okay, this may not be the right way for me to go through this? I realized at the end of the first year of my business that I was working really hard. I was I was proud of myself, 
but I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. And I kept thinking, you know, people don't start businesses to be unhappy, right? They start businesses for the freedom and the flexibility and to really do what they love. And so it was at that point where I kind of had to press the reset button and ask and ask myself some questions. What what matters to you? What do you love doing? How do you want to show up? And how can you how can you take that and go all in on yourself and and make that the heart of your business? And so I went through a rebranding process. Um where, I mean, if you had seen my first logo, oh my goodness, it was so corporate. It was so corporate. It could have been like on the side of a stadium, you know? <laughs> and so it started with, okay, if I need to project the image to the world that of, of who I really am, not not what this is. So I, I rebranded. I got really clear on who I wanted to serve, how I wanted to serve them. And I gave myself permission to start over. And I knew I wasn't starting from scratch because I had learned so much in that first year. But it really moved away from this idea of I have to make it work, that fear mentality, into the mindset of, let's treat this like an experiment. Let's try some things and see what works. And if something doesn't work, let's see what we can tweak. And in doing so, I created some space between the outcome that I wanted, you know, I must be a success. I have to be successful. It was like, no, no, no. Let's not focus on the end result. Let's focus on the journey. Let's bring a little joy back into this, a little creativity and treat it like a grand experiment. And the minute I did that, that was the mindset shift for me that propelled me forward. And it felt much more fun and less life or death. Oh my goodness, I love this, Lee. Let me just tell you why, because recently I've actually been talking about this um, on Instagram, which is lately my preferred <laughs> um, social media uh, platform. But I've been talking about this uh, on Instagram and also with my friends, this idea of showing up as the goal or doing the work as the goal and not the result of the work. Like almost like what you said, separating the doing from the result or your desired result. And I've been talking about this because this is a challenge for me. I can, because again, coming from a corporate, uh, you know, life where you are supposed to be results oriented, right? This is how we are measured. What's the result of your effort? basically, right? And so it's very, it's been very challenging for me to separate the two. Yes. And I think too, I mean, in our society, we really tie what we do with who we are. I mean, think about the questions we ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, you're, we want to know the profession they want to perform. We're not asking them how they want to be. We're asking them really what they want to do. So from a very young age, we've connected the sense of who we are with what we do or what we produce. And that's dangerous because then all of a sudden we define ourselves by our productivity, by our work. And that can be a part of us, but it doesn't have to be all of us. And it's this idea of moving away from doing into being. And understanding that simply by being you, that is enough. And that that can then anchor the work that you do in the world. So what did you do? <laughs> this is a funny question. <laughs> but what did you do with all with all the fears that you had that were driving you to act one way? Like did you just were you working with a coach to help you out or or were you just like employing other techniques to kind of just overcome those or put look at them differently? 
Yeah, great question. I was doing both. Yes, I was absolutely working with a coach. Um, I think particularly for coaches, it's really important that they have their own coach. I think that's part of living in integrity and and learning. Um, but I was also doing a lot of inner work. And I think what I what I really want people to know when it comes to fear is that the point is not to get rid of it. In fact, I think if we focus on trying to get rid of fear, we're setting ourselves up for an impossible goal um, because the fear will be there. We we are hardwired to have that fear to motivate us to stay safe. And when you're starting a business, when you're starting a podcast, when you're putting yourself out there and being visible, that's you're 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 becoming vulnerable. And so the mind says vulnerability, not safe, reel it back in. And it's going to do everything it can to, to bring you back into the safety of, of the herd. Um, don't stand out. Don't be big. Don't be brave. You're going to put yourself at risk. And that's where the fear comes in. The fear is very motivating to bring us back in. And that's where we have to be really clear with ourselves about what we want and have a conversation with fear and say, look, I, I get it. I know that you want me to be safe, but I don't need to be safe right now. I need Need to be bold. Mm -hmm. I need to go out there. I need to be big. And so this isn't serving me right now. This is I, what I need more of is courage. And so for me, it's very much about acknowledging the fear, having a conversation with it, al allowing it to be part of the process, but not letting it uh, drive the the car. You know, it's not navigating. It's not driving. It's like in the trunk. You know, it's coming along. But um, but what I want to guide me is intuition, is courage, is connection. Um, and that that's what that's what I think it's exciting to build a business around. So today your work is as a coach for business folks. Is that what you do today? What do you do today? Yes. So I am a business coach for helpers, healers, and intuitive entrepreneurs. So I really love working with entrepreneurs who want to connect what they do with who they are. For me, for me, that's almost spiritual. When we can allow our authentic selves to shine through in the work that we do, then it's not just a job. It's, it's a living, it's a lifestyle. And so that's what I do is I work I, I tend, I think because of my background as a therapist, I attract a lot of therapists <laughs> and coaches, a lot of helpers and healers and spiritual entrepreneurs who want to, who want to be successful, want to be profitable, but not at the expense of their values of what matters most to them. And so that's who I love working with. And I find it's, it tends to be a, a lot of mindset work, really diving into the limiting beliefs that, that have held us back and kept us stuck. And then marrying that with the practical of figuring out, okay, if this is what you want, how can you achieve that? What can we do to actually create those gains in your business and in your life? So it's not an either or. It's not inner or outer. It's both. And that that's what we really blend together in, in the coaching relationship. So I've read somewhere that you, you use this um, the three M's, right? M mindset, meaning, and mindfulness. And you know, there's a lot of conversation and, uh, you know, material out there about the importance of mindset, obviously, in what, whatever it is that you're doing, right? Whether you are, for my, even this, uh, setting up this podcast, for example, starting a podcast had me working on my mindset because I had a lot of limiting beliefs about my ability to host and produce a podcast. But so mindset is obviously a critical area for us to be you know, addressing or taking care of when we're, whenever we're stretching ourselves. But could you talk a little bit about meaning, 
and mindfulness because I don't see those two words are common in a sense. And yet I want to make sure that we are looking at them with, you know, with a fresh set of eyes and not making yes. assumptions about oh, that's what meaning means, or that's what mindfulness means. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. And I think we could do that with mindset too. Like like the three M's are really at the heart of my work. Um, I wrote a book about them called Act on Your Business. And we go into what each of the three M's are and how they show up in your work and in your life. So when I talk about meaning, the first M, we're really talking about the values that drive your work and your life. So if I were to ask you, you know, at, at, at the very end of your life, what do you want to be known for? How do you want to be remembered? When people talk about you, what stories are they telling that bring a smile to their face? I think when we can view it like that, all of a sudden it becomes really clear what matters most to us. Um, for me, the, my four deep Deep values are service, joy, connection, and love. And if everything I can do, work, life, relationships, health, you name it, if I can tie them into those values, then I know that I'm living with purpose and I know what my meaning is. And then I can make decisions rooted in those values. So that's the other piece of meaning is it's great to know what's important to you. Then it's how do you integrate that into what you do? Um, but just like we talked about before, I think sometimes we start with doing and then worry about being. Meaning asks you to do the opposite. It asks you to be really clear about who you are, what matters to you, and then allow that to inform what you do. So that's that's how I like to view that M, meaning. Um, the second M, mindset. I know we've talked a lot about that, but how I like to view it is the way we relate to our thoughts and our emotions. So the way we view those, that internal experience, and then how that shapes the, our view of the, of the world around us, our external experience. And then mindfulness, like that's a huge buzzword now. I mean, everyone's talking about mindfulness. And I suspect many of us have that idea in our head that mindfulness means like sitting in the lotus position, your eyes closed, you know, in the mudra, you know, on a mountaintop, right? Like a guru. Um, and so we equate mindfulness with meditation a lot. And meditation can be a form of mindfulness. I, I, it's part of my practice. But mindfulness at its heart is merely being present in the moment without judgment so that we are aware of what's going on right here, right now. And we are not making any sort of judgment on it, we're allowing it to be. So we're observing it from a neutral perspective, we're engaged, and we're able to really connect uh, with ourselves and with the other the other person or people in the moment. That's all being mindfulness or being mindful is it's it's being present and fully aware, objectively and without judgment in the moment. That actually that last point, I think is uh, going to be very helpful for me personally as I do as I continue this work that I mentioned earlier about separating my my work from the results because if I am focusing on the results I'm not it feels like I'm not being present because I am I'm doing this but I'm already anticipating what could or could not happen five months from or five days from now right even right so I'm focusing on what you know what might happen as opposed to what is happening what is currently going on Yes. And you really like got to the crux of it because when we are not being mindful, when we're not in the present moment, then we're either in the future or the past, right? We're either 
thinking about what has already happened and ruminating and, oh, why didn't I do this better or I should have done that? Or we are projecting into the future and getting anxious about what hasn't even happened yet. And so when we are not mindful, we're either backwards or forwards, we're not now. And mindfulness helps recalibrate all of that and bring us back into the present moment. I just realized something. I'm not, I think I am pretty good at not worrying about what had happened in the past. So I think I'm good with that. I don't, I don't, you know, uh, spend too much time on like the mistakes or whatever. Happened. I am more about what will or will not happen to what might or might not happen. And I, I think you are in good company. And I think this is something that entrepreneurs in general tend to do. Most entrepreneurs I know don't spend a lot of time ruminating over the past. Right. What's done is done. If it, if it went well, great. If it didn't go well, we'll learn from it. Keep moving forward. But then they keep moving forward into the future. And it's always what's next and what's out there and what should I be doing? Um, and I think that's the shadow side of having all of that really wonderful opportunity energy. Because entrepreneurs can find opportunities like no one else. We see what's possible and we want to create it. And that's so exciting. And that's what that's what makes us visionaries. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in what's possible that we fail to see what is right now in the moment. And so that's a lot of coaching is finding that balance between how do you hold fast to your vision? Uh, you know, how can you be clear on what you want and yet also remain present in the moment? And that's that's a balancing act. Just curiosity. Uh, when you were talking about your values earlier, I was just wondering whether how how quickly or how easy it was for you to identify that those were your values or did you know right away oh these are the things that drive me or these are the most important things or did it take you some uh, a bit of exercise or a bit of uh probing or self introspection or introspection to realize yeah. them it it absolutely did um i think the service one has always, I've always known that ever mm. since I was very young, I was very much concerned about other people and how to help others that that helping energy, I became a therapist for Pete's sake. So it, it makes sense, right? Like service definitely um, has, has been a core value. The other ones that did take a little more time to understand that that's what they were and how they were showing up in my life. And, and, you know, in, in the book, I have some exercises that people can go through to really get some clarification on what matters to them. Um, and if you're unsure, I would say the the first thing to do is really look at the times in your life that have brought you the greatest joy. What, you doing? And what does that tell you about what really mattered to you in that moment? You know, if, if you were skydiving into the Grand Canyon, then I'm going to make the assumption that adventure and freedom are probably core values for you. If your favorite moment is snuggling with your kids under a blanket and watching a movie, then maybe I'm going to assume family and love are core values for you. So I think when we can think about the times that we have felt just true joy that really gives us a clue into what's important to us. And then the, the flip side of that is when we think about the times that we were really angry, when a button's been pushed, when, when we feel like we need to be defensive, that button that was pushed, there's a value behind it. And so a lot of times when we think about what really makes us mad, that can tell us a lot about what matters most to us as well. So really kind of getting, getting uh, diving a little deeper on those moments can help clarify 
uh, our core values. Yeah, I like that. And also, I, you know, th this is, um, I've been doing some work with some other uh, group of women who are doing what, what we're calling brave work. And one of the things that uh, we are working on is this idea of, um, like, sometimes what we what we truly value or what we truly want is something that we are denying ourselves. So it's almost like, to your point, if you're looking at what gives you joy and then you identify something and you're like, but I don't want people to, to think that that's, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want people to think that that's what I want or that's what drives me. And so we yeah. sort of like deny that part of us. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like we question if we're worthy of it. And then and then also, if we have it, does that mean someone else doesn't? It's this idea that if if my light shines bright, does that dim the light of others? That's, I mean, you're speaking my language. That is something that I've been working on hardcore in my life, this idea that it is safe for me to share my message on a, on a broader stage without it hurting other people, that when our light shines bright, then it shines on all. And so it is okay to seek joy and live joy and spread joy that, that we are, we, it's, it's our birthright, you know, and, and we can use all of that for good and bring everyone up with us. Tell us again, the name of your book. I wrote, it's called act on your business, uh, braving the storms of entrepreneurship and creating success through meaning mindset and mindfulness. So that is going to get added to my Kindle immediately. Awesome. <laughs> In addition to that, <laughs> is there another book fiction or nonfiction that you could recommend? Yes. Um, I am a huge reader and I will tell you, uh, there's been a book that's been on my Kindle for years, and it was one of those ones I bought it a while ago, and I just never read it. I read it last month and then was kicking myself for not having read it years ago, um, but it was The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I found The Big Leap to be just one of those books that really got me thinking about success and how we hold ourselves back from it in a completely different way, and the idea that Many of us are working in our zone of excellence and it's fear that's keeping us from moving into our zone of genius. And that upper limit problem, when we're not able to break through that upper limit into the next level, was just such a fascinating concept to me. And I was able to look back in my own life and look at my life right now and say, okay, how am I holding myself back? Where do I have an upper limit problem? So The Big Leap was just one of those books that took a lot of what I think I knew already and just put it into this process that made so much sense to me. So yes, I recommend that to anyone who's ready to kind of up level in their life. I've had that book for a while, just like you. I've read that many years ago. But you know how sometimes you reread a book and it hits you differently because of a different you're in a different stage, you're in a different sort of way yes. of thinking. So I think it's time for me to pick that book up again. And then lastly, Lee, where can we find you online? Yes. So you are always welcome to find me at kind of my home base, which is my website, caravelcoaching.com. So that's C-A-R-A-V-E-L, coaching.com. And that's also my Instagram handle. Like you, I love Instagram. My people are on Instagram. So you can find me at Caravel Coaching. And if you'd like to learn more about the book, you can go to actonyourbusiness.com and learn more about the book, what's in it, and where you can find it. Thank you so much, Lee. This has been brilliant. I love this conversation for all kinds of different reasons. <laughs> oh, me too. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me on as a guest. 
I hope you found this episode useful, and I would love to hear from you. You can email me, Lou at SecondBreaks.com, or leave your comments on the show notes, which, by the way, is where you'll find not only the links to everything that we mentioned on the show, other resources for your career move, but also you can now find the edited transcript of this episode. So that's something that I'm going to be adding to the shows going forward. So go to secondbreaks.com forward slash podcasts and look for episode 106. As a reminder, the podcast is on a brief summer break. I will be back on September 5th to start a new series of episodes on side gigs and side hustles. If you're not subscribed yet, now is the perfect time to do that. Hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss our return. And of course, subscribing to the podcast is free. And if you happen to be listening to this podcast on the website, right below the audio player, you'll find a, a, a list of options for you to subscribe to, whichever device you're using or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. If you want to connect in the meantime, Please tweet me or find me on Instagram at Second Breaks on both platforms is where you'll find me. I would love to hear from you. I would love to know, for example, what you're doing as you're listening to the podcast. All right, I will be back in a few weeks. Have a great summer and keep on making your debt, my friends. Cool beans.